We come now to the word of the Lord. The title of this Christmas Eve's message is This Christmas Discover How Sometimes. Discover How Sometimes. Sometimes what? Well, we're going to get into it from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. This is how the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Joseph named him Jesus. In a previous message, as we studied and reflected upon this beautiful part of the Christmas account, in part one, we discovered the following three truths. Number one, we said, sometimes what appears to be a dead end in your life might be God's doorway towards a new beginning. How true that is. And then secondly, we discovered that sometimes the first thing which comes to your mind may not be what God wants you to do. And then the third truth we discovered was sometimes what God says to us might be hard to believe, but nevertheless, it is true. If you were not with us for that particular message, I encourage you to go to our website and hear the marvelous truths that the Word of God brings to our attention, which I've just briefly shared with you. Now today, in part two, we discover the following. First truth is this. Sometimes what happens to you is a part of God's larger picture, and plan in your life. That's right. Sometimes what happens to you is a part of God's larger picture and plan in your life. This truth came to my mind out of verses 22 and, and 23, where it says, All this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look. The virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, 
which means God is with us. God is with us. What was happening to Mary in terms of her giving birth as a virgin was a part of God's larger plan. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 had prophesied around 742 B.C. that Jesus would be born. More than 700 years later, the prophecy became reality as Jesus was born through the Virgin Mary. What was happening to Mary was not a last-minute random experience. God had set the wheels in motion hundreds of years earlier even though Mary probably did not realize it. Sometimes what happens to you is a part of God's larger picture and plan. My friends, this applies in various areas of your life and mine. For example, if you're making notes, this would be A, A. It applies in your love life. That's right. Many years ago, I remember how a wonderful, wonderful young man had been dating a very special, marvelous young lady for quite a long time. I could see that he was madly in love with her. In fact, he was crazy about her, and for good reasons. I thought... She, too, was wild about him as well. I thought that they probably would eventually get married. However, one day the young man came to see me in my office. He was literally heartbroken. I still remember. He was heartbroken. He was crying buckets of tears as he told me of how the girl of his dreams told him that she had wanted to end the relationship so that she could date other young men and so that he would also be free to date other young women. He had absolutely, he had absolutely no desire to date anyone else. She was the one for him, but unfortunately, she did not feel the same way, at least not at that point. The months that followed were extremely difficult for that young man. I really felt sorry for him because it hurt him so badly. I met with him on a regular basis to, to encourage and pray for him. I remember telling him that about six months after their breakup, Six months, six months down the road, he would feel a little better, although he had a hard time believing me because he truly loved her and was missing her so much. He couldn't see how he could live without her. After about six months following their breakup, I said to him, I said, do you see how you are starting to feel a little better? He acknowledged that he was feeling a little better, but he still could not get over her. He was not over her one bit. 
I asked him to please persevere and told him, and told him that probably in another six months he might be open to the possibility of considering a new relationship with another young lady. He told me he could not possibly see that happening, and he was sincere about it. I said, just wait, and let's see what the Lord does. Just wait. To make a long story shorter, if I recall correctly, about two years, about two years after the agonizing breakup, he met an outstanding, an outstanding Christian young lady who was not only beautiful on the outside, she was also so beautiful on the inside. As I watched their relationship grow, my own heart was filled with joy. I was so happy about it. My own heart was filled with joy because I knew, I knew the terrible pain and depression he had, he had to climb out of following the breakup a few years earlier. Eventually, the two of them told me they wanted to get married. And of course, I was so happy for them. They had a beautiful wedding, and in time, they had precious, marvelous children. Over the years, as, as I have gotten to know his wife better, many times I've, I've said to myself, something like this, I've said, wow, wow, he married a fantastic young woman, just the right wife for him, just the right wife. I heard another minister say, sometimes what is packaged as disappointment is destiny. Sometimes what is packaged as disappointment is destiny. How true that is. The disappointment that young man felt when his girlfriend broke up with him years back. The disappointment was so very real. I wonder, I wonder, however, if that, disap if that disappointment led to his destiny, a destiny that led him to meet another fantastic woman who has been a, a great wife to him and a great mother to their children. I believe that his disappointment eventually actually led him to his destiny. This past year, some of you have experienced heartbreak in terms of your own love life. I do not mean to minimize the pain that you have gone through and are, go and are going through, but I do want to encourage you with this truth. Sometimes what happens to you is a part of God's larger picture, God's larger plan in your life. Could it be 
that what is packaged as disappointment is destiny in your life? Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are, are called according to His purpose for them. And my friends, this includes the parts of your life that you like and the parts you, you don't like. The parts that make you feel good and sometimes the parts that make you cry. Amen? Amen. Let me take you to point B under this first major truth. Point B is this. Sometimes what happens to you is a part of God's larger picture and plan in your life applies to being at the right place at the right time. That's right. It applies to being at the, in the right place at the right time. Back when we were getting ready to build our church builder, our church building here on Milner Avenue in Toronto, Canada, we had to overcome many major obstacles. One of the biggest challenges was to get to secure a large mortgage. We had raised a lot of money as a congregation, but we also needed to borrow a large amount of funds as a mortgage. Our church treasurer and I and a few others in our church spent about two years, two years, making applications to all kinds of banks and financial institutions trying to get a mortgage. From the start, it seemed like we had a mortgage secured with a particular bank. Then there was a, a change in that bank's management, and the new manager said, Pastor Nick, I know what the previous manager approved, but I'm here now, and I won't approve your church's mortgage. Wow, that was a big letdown. We were approaching the month when we anticipated having the Scarborough Building Department approve our building plans, and the company which was going to oversee our construction project was, going, was uh, gearing up, was gearing up to have their employees work on the construction of Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. About two months before construction was supposed to begin, I was praying and I was saying, Lord, several of us have spent two years trying to get the ma major mortgage and we do not have a mortgage in place. Lord, we're supposed to start construction in about two months, but dear God, I cannot allow us to start a multi-million dollar building program unless we have a definite, committed mortgage in place. I prayed that many times. To be honest with you, I was nervous and worried. 
I know we shouldn't worry, but I'm just being honest with you. I continued on with my regular pastoral duties in those days. And one day I went to the Ajax Pickering Hospital to encourage and pray for the father of some particular men in our church. Their, their father was not a part of our Rosewood congregation, but I had known him for many years. His sons were very burdened about their dad's health, and so I went to see him. When I went to see him there, there was another Baptist church minister who was also present. The Baptist minister had heard about our, our building project and asked me how it was going. I told him, and I also told him of how, after two years of trying very hard, we still did not have our main mortgage finalized and um, definitely in hand. <clears throat> he asked me, that dear pastor asked me, if we had applied to DUCA, D-U-C-A, DUCA Financial Services. I told him that I had never heard about DUCA. My Baptist pastor friend said they got their mortgage from DUCA when they built a few years earlier. He suggested that we apply to DUCA Financial Services. In early August, our treasurer, Bill, and I met with the Duca manager with all of our building plans and financial plans on hand. We took everything with us to, to just have it on hand so that he could see all the planning that we had done. It still took a lot of work and effort and waiting, but about six weeks later, about six weeks later, Duca gave us confirmation about our much-needed building loan, which later became an official mortgage. And so we were able to start construction on time in the fall. Why did I tell you that story? I told you it to illustrate how when I went to the Ajax Pickering Hospital, I thought I was going there primarily to encourage and pray for that dear father. That was true. As far as I was concerned, that was the only reason I was going there that day. God, however, had an additional plan in mind. For he had heard my prayer. He had heard the prayers of many other people in our church and probably outside of our church. That hospital visit resulted in me meeting, meeting another pastor who knew where we could get the mortgage. A mortgage, by the way, which we fully paid off in February 2019, along with paying off all the other construction loans. We, we continue to praise God for that. After just over 15 years, we paid off $3.4 million in mortgages and loans in February of 2019. My friends, sometimes what happens to you is a part of God's larger picture, larger plan in your life. And so whatever you're going through, 
Think about it. Pray about it. Consider, is what you're experiencing perhaps a part of God's larger plan for your life? And now I want to take you to a second major truth that came to my mind from the Christmas story. The second major truth is this. Sometimes with God, the impossible becomes possible. That's right. Sometimes with God, the impossible becomes possible. This truth comes from the the whole story of the birth of Jesus, but especially from verse 18, which says, This is how the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible here tells us how the impossible became possible. Amen? Normally, a virgin would or could become pregnant only through being intimate with a man. Mary, however, Mary did not have sexual relations with any man. Verse 18 tells us, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. There are times in your life and mine when God chooses to go outside of the norm and the impossible becomes possible. For those of you making notes, you might put A. A as a subpoint here. Sometimes the impossible becomes possible in terms of you loving someone you thought you could never love. In terms of loving someone you thought you could never love. In terms of overcoming prejudice. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 45, Jesus says, You have heard the law that says, Love your neighbor and, and hate your enemy. But I say, Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Is there someone that you have come, someone that you have come to hate, perhaps an ex-husband or an ex-wife, perhaps your father or mother for some reason, or your father-in-law or mother-in-law, your brother or sister, your son or daughter, or someone at work, at school, in your neighborhood, or someone at church. Is there some cultural group or some race that you have come to hate? Is there some group that you, you are for some reason prejudiced towards? 
That's right, prejudice. Over this past year in the news, I have seen protests and reports of rallies of people who, who hated some racial group or hated some other group of people. And when I saw these reports, I just kind of scratched my head and thought, people, how, how could you hate? How could you have this kind of deep-seated prejudice, you know? When I've seen this report, these reports, I thought, what's wrong? What's wrong with those people? How can they hate any group of human beings? After all, we are all the, the same people. We are flesh and red blood running through all of us. If you are living with some hate and bitterness, Listen to this part of the Bible, 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he, God, has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Amen? Some of you might be thinking, it is impossible. It is impossible for me to get over my hate. Well, this Christmas, I invite you, I invite you to believe that with God, the impossible becomes possible. Cry out to God and say, Lord, Cleanse me of this hatred and bitterness. Cleanse me, purify me, cleanse me, dear God. It is one of the best Christmas presents you can ever give to yourself. That's right. Sometimes the impossible becomes possible in terms of you loving someone you thought you could never love in terms of you gaining victory over whatever prejudice you might be living with. The impossible can become possible. Amen? Let me take you to this other thought. If you're making notes, it's point, sub-point B. Sometimes the impossible becomes possible in terms of a physical healing. A physical healing. The Gospel of John, chapter 5, verses 1 through 15, tells the story of a man who had been sick for 38 years. Jesus saw him around the pool of Bethesda in Jerusalem. When a person has been sick for 38 years... It is easy to lose all hope, all hope of ever getting better. Isn't that true? Perhaps you have been sick for a long time. Perhaps you have been losing hope of ever getting better. Don't give up. Don't give up. With God, the impossible becomes possible. 
So don't give up, my friend. Jesus, God in the flesh, said to the man at the pool of Bethesda in John 5, verse 8, Jesus said, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. And then John 5, verse 9 says, instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. Wow, what a statement. Over the years, I have seen some people be healed from various illnesses, including cancer and COVID-19. Sometimes, despite the prayers, despite the prayers of family, friends, and pastors, some people have not been healed. Why? No one really knows. No one knows. What I do know is that with God, the impossible becomes possible in terms of a physical healing. Therefore, you and I need to continue to pray for the needs of people and your own needs because as long as they are alive and as long as you are alive, the impossible can become possible just as it did with Mary, earthly mother of Jesus. Amen? Here is something which I was reminded of, which you too maybe need to be reminded of. Very recently, I had a small part in the funeral of an outstanding Christian gentleman. At the end of the funeral, after the burial service, the wife of one of his sons came to me and said, Pastor, 26 years ago, I was very, very sick and in hospital. She was talking about herself. She said, Pastor, 26 years ago, I was very, very sick and in hospital. Do you remember? I began to reflect and run things through my mind and, and remembered. I remembered how her father-in-law, whose funeral we had just completed, had phoned me. He had phoned me from London, Ontario, and said, Pastor Nick, my son's wife is critically ill in the hospital in Richmond Hill. We don't know if she is going to survive. We don't know if she is going to live. Could you please, could you please go and encourage her and, and pray for her? Naturally, I went to the hospital to see her, to read scripture, to encourage her, and pray for her. When I went to see her, her mother was also by her bedside, very, very worried about her daughter's worsening condition. Her mother had flown from Europe to be with her dear daughter. That daughter continued to talk with me after her father-in-law's funeral. And she went on to say this. She said, Pastor, 
So often, so often when my mother phones me from Europe, she says, she says, daughter, remember how you used to be so sick and remember how you started to heal up after Pastor Nick came and started to pray for you at the hospital. 26 years had passed since her very critical illness before I had any idea, before I had any idea that she and her mother had attributed her recovery to Pastor Nick's prayers. Now, stick with me. I am wise enough, I am knowledgeable enough, and I am mature enough to know that it wasn't, it wasn't just Pastor Nick's prayers. I know that. And I am sure that 26 years ago, her father-in-law was urgently praying for her, and I'm sure at that time, I also, I also put her on our church prayer list and had our, our prayer groups at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene urgently praying for her because she was so critically ill. Nevertheless, I had no idea, I had no idea that she and her mother had felt that, that her recovery 26 years ago was so very much affected by a simple minister and prayers by Pastor Nick. I tell you that story just to say, just to say that you might never know what your prayers accomplish until months or even years down the road. How true that is. That's right. You may not know what your prayers may accomplish until months or years down the road. And quite frankly, sometimes you may never know how much your prayers have helped someone. When you get to heaven, I am confident that there, there will probably be some people who will say, who will say that they got to heaven because you prayed for them. That's right. You got to heaven. They got to heaven because you prayed for them. You helped them along the way. This Christmas, I want you to remember that sometimes with God, the impossible becomes possible. Therefore, keep praying and keep persevering. Amen? I want to also add this. This is kind of sub-point C. Sometimes the impossible becomes possible in terms of you becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Or the impossible becomes possible in terms of someone that you thought could never, would never become a follower, a believer in Jesus, but ends up giving their heart 
to Jesus. And so, my friends, on this beautiful Christmas Eve, is it possible? Is it possible that for whatever reasons you have left Jesus out of your life? Have you, have you maybe been leaving Jesus out of your life? This can be the moment when you say, Lord, on this Christmas Eve, I want to dedicate my life to you. On this Christmas Eve, dear Lord, I want to open up the door of my heart, my life to you, and I want to begin to become a sincere disciple of Jesus Christ. It may be that you are a sincere follower of Jesus, but it may be that you've got, you've got a husband or a wife or a son or daughter that, that has little regard for Jesus. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep praying for him or her. Don't give up because the impossible can become possible. In the Bible, we have the incredible example of a man named Saul who persecuted, who hated Christians, who caused the death of some of them. And most people would have thought, there is no way this guy named Saul would ever become a follower of Jesus. But in the book of Acts, we read of how he came to a, a wonderful turning point in his life when he was transformed by Jesus, and he became an outstanding follower of our Lord. And in fact, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he is the author of, main, of major parts of our Holy Bible in the New Testament. So I say to you, open up your own heart and life to Jesus. If you haven't already done so, let him, let him bring about the miracle of transformation in your own heart and life. And keep praying for family members and friends who are yet to believe in Christ. Let me pray with you. Let me pray. If this prayer, if this prayer, my friend, expresses the desire of your heart, I ask you to pray it right where you are. Dear God, thank you for loving me. On this wonderful Christmas Eve, I want the impossible to become possible, or at least what I thought was impossible, to become possible. Lord, I give up control of my life, and I want to put my life in the hands of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for paying the price for my sins on the cross of Calvary. Thank you, Lord, for wanting to become a part of my life. Lord, 
I invite you into my heart, into my life, and I want to truly be dedicated, devoted to you. And I want to start this forthcoming new year living my life for Jesus and with Jesus. Let it be so. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to, to send, send us a little note at rosewoodchurch.ca. Send us a little note to tell us of your decision. And I want to encourage you to become a part of a good Bible-believing church. If you're in the Toronto area, especially in the Scarborough area, we invite you to become a part of the Rosewood Church of the Nazarene family. We want to encourage you and help you to grow spiritually. And so, my friends, this Christmas and in the new year to come, as you live your life, remember these two beautiful truths that I've shared with you. Number one, sometimes what happens to you is a part of God's larger picture and plan in your life. So be encouraged by that. Be encouraged. And secondly, remember, sometimes with God, the impossible becomes possible. Amen and amen. On behalf of my wife, Cindy, and I, and our other wonderful pastors and staff members here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. We wish you a very Merry Christmas. We wish you God's blessings. And we thank you for joining us for our Christmas 2020 Christmas Eve service. Blessings on you. I'm Pastor Nick Stavropoulos.